What's up, everybody? Welcome to the brand new Vicarious Experience podcast with Ellis Hobbs on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, employment and sports attorney, Michael Elkins. Ellis. What up? What up? What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Uh, Great week, personally, and just uh, good news overall, man. Hearing uh, all about DeMar Hamlin, I think uh, I felt like that was my own kid. Uh, Yeah. Good news, man. You know, we're going to get right into it tonight. I mean, we we were supposed to do our introductory episode last week for everybody Correct. that listened. We kind of changed that up because of the situation with Damar Hamlin. Amazing recovery. Left the hospital today, nine days after having a cardiac arrest. Phenomenal. Yeah, man. Wow. I, um, you know, based off of what I had told you, um, kind of my experience with that situation, um, no pun intended, vicariously through my friend, um, he actually un- unfortunately had to get a surgery. Um, to actually leave the hospital. But um, I guess just through all of the uh, research or whatever they did for DeMar, that wasn't necessary. Young enough, healthy enough. Amazing. Yeah, man. If he, now I, I, this might be a far stretch, but if this guy suits up, <laughs> for, <laughs> dude, this, I mean, we're maybe. talking about Hollywood story here. Hollywood story. Well, it certainly was a Hollywood story in Buffalo on Sunday. Uh, oh, oh man. <laughs> not listen, not in a good way if you're a New England fan. Listen, that that I I I felt bad for New England man to where you know love hate those those guys wherever side you're on with that. I mean, you just have to feel for them just knowing like whatever they do in their almighty powers, <laughs> it was going to be a heavily heavily favored team on the other side with just the sheer energy of just the goodwill on their side. And so couldn't, couldn't, couldn't write that story better, man, with the opening return and, you know, everything else. And like, yeah, it was, that was a tough upsled hill, man. Yeah. Actually, I thought the Patriots hung tough, despite the fact that um, they did, you know, they, they made a game of it, but that second kickoff return, 101 yards, I think one yard yeah. shy of your record. You yeah, have the rec- I- you still have the record, right? No, 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 no. So mm-hmm. it, mine was 108. Um, somebody, oh, okay. So, yeah, I want to say Cordell Patterson. It was, I think it was Cobb first, and then Cordell Patterson, uh, broke it. But I, I stopped paying attention, man, just because once I was like, it, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was against, but it was against the Jets, if I'm remembering right. Oh, seven, yeah, right? It, it was actually against the Jets, and it was against the Jets, which was the team that was supposed to pick me in the second round, gave me a phone call, told me they were going to pick me on the phone while I was on the phone with them and I'm watching the TV and they don't pick me. And <laughs> what, was that, what was that like? Oh, oh gut wrenching. I mean, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a trick. Uh, the GM at the time got back on the phone and said, Hey, give me one second. Uh, we have another pick in the second round. I was like, okay, cool. Ring, ring, ring calls me back again. And they don't pick me again. Uh, they picked the, they picked the, I think the kicker from Ohio state. And at that t- after that, I was done, dude. I was done. And uh, I said, you know what, man, I, I don't, this draft stuff isn't for me. And then, you know, long story short, the Patriots called me in the third round. But, yeah, I got two calls, two calls from the Jets in the second round uh, on a Saturday, which back then, if you can remember anybody that's old enough, the draft. I remember. The, yep. First day was uh, one through three on Saturday. And uh, second round, yeah, they didn't pick me. So, Nevertheless, it was a sweet moment for me in Ellis Hobbs history when I was able to run that back on them. I was going to say you got them back pretty good. That game, though, a little famous or infamous. That was the, I think, the beginning of Spygate. 
That was. Yeah. It was, uh, I guess, yeah, it was the... That was the game it? where they made the game the that opened up Pandora's box. Yeah, the game opened that opened Pandora's up Pandora's box. box. And then from there, yeah. So they, um, yeah, to start off the interviews, I actually thought after the game, they were going to talk to me about yeah. return, but they opened up with, so tell us more about this Spygate and the allegedly <laughs> scandal of cheating. I was like, what? I said, cut. Everybody cut yeah. right now. What is going on, Jamie? Right. Jamie was actually the uh, the marketing guy. I still is. Uh, yeah. Head of marketing up there. And like he, Gave me a brief rundown real quick. And I said, turn those cameras back on. And I said, listen, as far as any cheating goes, I did nothing of the such. But when it came to this run, I did it all by myself. <laughs> well, that's any questions way, on that, I will talk. Let's wait to way to circle back, right? Yes, that's, exactly. Perfectly trained in public relations. Exactly. So obviously we're both ecstatic for DeMar Hamlin. Um, what a great story. Uh, who knows if I if he suits up in the playoffs, that would be even more of a Hollywood ending. But most importantly, he's healthy. Yes. And um, so we're all back to sort of regular sports routine. So that gives us the opportunity, too, to sort of do what I'm calling our reintroduction introduction for this yes. show. Because it's a brand yep. new show. Uh, so for everybody who's listening, we're going to have a lot of great content for you. Uh, we're going to talk some sports, of course, but we're not going to be limited to just that. You know, both Ellis and I are entrepreneurs. Ellis, if you want to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and what you're into these days and sort of how that's impacted you and where that's taken you. Yeah. So, I mean, um, the entrepreneurial journey actually led me to you um, right. through, a, through a mutual friend and colleague. And um, when you talk about who we are, um, to the core of my being, I'm a competitor, right? I'm a, and, uh, I, I, I consider myself a winner. And so, um, like many that have, uh, you know, been in the professional sports world, uh, we want to go out and do things on our own. And the, the one thing they don't tell you about that is how difficult the journey is without the actual uniform, helmet, uh, name on your back is, whatever, right? Because when you take that off, specifically with football, the helmet, um, you find out very quickly um, it's a different arena. And that if you're not uh, privy to um, some strong, strong relationships outside of sports. And even then, it's still a dangerous uh, pool to jump into. Um, it can be very daunting. And so uh, I got into that world, got into that space uh, a couple of different ways, a couple of different times, many failures um, over the course, um, in and out, in and out, up and down, all around, right? You've seen, if you Google, uh, what does success look like? You see that squirrely line that goes all over the place. Well, that's me. And so when you're trying to figure <laughs> things out, you know, it, it can be tough, man, but uh, continually tread it through. Um, I've had an amazing experience. Like anything I say, when you go through the journey, um, the value is in the journey within itself. And uh, as I've continued along now, I'm a successful day trader. Um, I day trade um, full time, uh, motivational speaker. Um, I've garnered, you know, much, uh, many accolades and um, a lot of praises for just the story that I have and of course beyond that of, you know, how to successfully be successful uh, within a lot of different arenas. And then of course, meeting you now doing the podcast. Um, I actually have a credit repair business, uh, multiple, multiple levels of just uh, revenue streams that I'm continually working on, continually growing. You know, I think it's really interesting that you have a number of different ventures, right? You're not locked into one thing and actually none of them relate to sports other than our podcast. But um, I'm curious, since this is sort of background and introduction or intro, our reintroduction episode, how do, do, you, do you are you drawing from 
your time in the NFL when you're in business? Is that something, do they go hand in hand? Are there lessons you learned, things like that? Yeah, so it's interesting how you put it, right? And I think that's like the missing key for a lot of athletes or uh, people that have done something for so long, be it, you know, military. I know they have difficult transitions a lot of the times. Um, anyone that's had a career, you know, in any field, you know, 20 years, 30 years, uh, you, you, your identity is within that profession, right? And so sure. what, I, what I took from my experiences since the age of four, really, because that's how long I played football. Like I consider my career all the way through the age of four because, you know, we just associated in a different way. Oh, we're just having fun. We're out there playing. But like, I literally have been priming myself to get to the NFL, which if you think about it in hindsight, my professional career was actually shorter than my entire career of football. And so um, the life lessons within that though are so valuable because everything that I do now, it, it, it ties back to how I conducted myself on the field, in the gym, um, in the weight room, um, training in general, right? To where it's it's all about, you know, unlocking or identifying with yourself as being not the person that's on the field, but the person that can be in any of these arenas and take the skill set with you. So persistence, the ability to never give up, um, the discipline to do certain things uh, consistently more than not than those who are going to be in the normal world. Right. And so to give you an example where I'm consistently waking up, you know, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And in my mind, I associate that with, I don't have to get hit in the head. I don't have to, I don't <laughs> right. have to sweat. I don't have to do all these other things. And that normal person who's normally going to get, um, uh, I, I guess what's the word you're looking for kind of deterred, from that that one problem that's throughout the day, uh, I'm used to dealing with five problems throughout the day. And so I, like psychologically, I can manage that and continually push forward all while doing all these other things, right? And so I can't have that type of mentality without sports, I believe, because of how I went about my day in playing sports, always being the underdog, always being undersized, having to to push that much more beyond anybody else that was in front of me. I was always getting denied because of the eye test, quote unquote, the way that I looked. And so when it was my opportunity, I always saw that as my only opportunity. And so I better be prepared enough and ready because I may not get another one. And so I take that mentality into my everyday work habits uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship. And so for people that are new to the show or may not be familiar with your career, just a quick synopsis. You, you played high school football in Dallas, Texas. Do I have that right? Correct. Yeah. Right. So uh, the South, uh, 15 minutes South of the Dallas Metroplex, uh, DeSoto, Texas. So uh, my high school is home to uh, individuals like Von Miller, uh, myself, uh, Casey Printers, Tatum Bell, Byron Hansbard. Um, look up some of these names. These are guys that have been into the NFL, uh, but very, very thorough careers in college, very thorough careers in high school. Um, just unfortunately, we were in a time or an era where there was no social media. Right. Uh, the, the movie Friday Night Lights, um, that movie, I always love to compare that because that's an actual thing that happened that uh, the red team, uh, Carter High School, that was a rival team of ours, still is uh, to some degree. But um, that type of football, that type of way of life was real. And so, you know, when you have literally 5,000, 10,000 people at your games at a, in a high school level, high you're, school, you're, you're 15 years old, doesn't a, not a lot bothers you 
when it comes to scrutiny, when it comes to the spotlight. So you get very, very used to that. Friday Night Lights, great book as well for anybody that's interested, book and movie, both amazing. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, Texas, high school in Dallas, Texas, then Iowa State. Then off right. to Iowa State. Yeah, I went to Iowa State in 2001. Um, had a couple of different offers, Notre Dame, Northwestern, Texas A&M, um, a few others. Again, back then, handwritten letters were very meaningful and uh, you appreciated them. It wasn't a Twitter. It wasn't a shout out. It was one of those things where you wanted a handwritten letter. So uh, very coveted. Uh, the, the funny, the ironic thing about it was, is that all those schools that I mentioned, they wanted me to be a defensive back. But I was a running back at the time and very, very good at being a running back. Uh, myself, a uh, gentleman by the name of Tyson Thompson and then another gentleman, uh, you know, RIP Cedric Benson. We all went to high school around the same time and we were all running backs. Uh, Tyson at Irving uh, High School, Cedric Benson at Midland Lee. And then, of course, me at DeSoto High School. And so we were top top running backs in the state at the time of, of Texas, which is a very big state. And um I kept hearing all this buzz about me being a running back, but they always, they, all of them wanted to convert me to a defensive back. And so I was like, no, you know, running back is where I want to be at. And so Iowa State, they slipped me a Mickey. They got me up there. <laughs> and then uh, they bait they, and switch you. Yeah, they, they hit me with the bait and switch, man. But no, in all seriousness, uh, there, was a, there was a gentleman, again, you know, God rest his soul, Ennis Haywood, who was uh, the all Big 12 rusher at the time. And uh, he had just come off a phenomenal uh, junior season. So it would have been him and I. Um, they didn't want to have that kind of political conflict. We were being from the same area. Uh, but they wanted me on the field because of my athletic talent and my ability. So they wanted me to try out defensive back. And I was like, listen, that's great. Just allow me to test the ball at least. And I, went, uh, I was doing kickoff returns and playing defensive back. Never played defensive back ever. Uh, go out there my first game um, of my freshman year. Um, ended up getting an interception and then the rest was history. So from Iowa State to third round, right? Third, third round. round draft pick of the New England Patriots in 2005. Yeah. Plug correct? in that plug in that draft story. Yep. Right <laughs> enter, that time. enter draft story. Yeah, enter that draft story. Kind of interesting. I didn't actually, as long as we've known each other, which is going on, I think maybe five or six years now, I yeah. didn't know that the Jets were on the phone with you and then you end up getting picked by their main rival. Yeah, it was rough, dude. It was rough. Uh, yeah, like I said, the the cell phone I had um, barely got any service. Anyways, the the plan was ridiculous. So I literally was saving it uh, for those calls only uh, that Saturday. I drove home with my brother from school, and um, we're sitting there in front of the TV, and you know you don't know what to expect, man. You really don't. And I, I finish up the combine. I go back to my school to have um, you know my quote unquote players combine there and then I leave. But I asked um Nick uh Cesario, uh what were my odds? He actually was the um uh GA graduate assistant or like the scouter at that wow. time. And That's so kind he, of interesting. Yeah he I mean, actually he's been did, there forever. Yeah he actually he actually ran my combine and at, at Iowa State. And uh, I mean this dude did, you know all else excluded this dude has an arm. This dude was trying to like throw he was trying to take my head off. <laughs> I've I don't heard know that. If he was trying to, you know, I don't know what he was trying to do, but like I caught all the footballs and all this other stuff. And I just remember him going, hmm. And like kind of looking at him like, man, like almost like I gave this dude my best shot and like this dude can really play like, you know, footwork skills and all the other stuff. So at the end of it, I asked him, I said, hey, man, like, you know, be real with me. I'm, I'm, I'm a very straight shooter, direct guy. You know, what are my odds? And if you remember at the time, there was it was a heavily drafted defensive back uh, class. Uh, Pac-Man Jones, myself, 
um, I believe, um, I think it was Carlos Rogers, um, a couple different people, a couple different people. And so he said, you know, he said all those names and he said, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of them out there, but you know, you have a pretty good shot, you know, somewhere in, in the, in the, the first or third round. And I, had, and I had set myself up with a great season. Of course, you got to do the work on the field, uh, five interceptions, um, all big 12, uh, first team, um, just a lot of deck, a lot of decorations. Right. And so, um, I, I knew I had to do that because if anybody can remember at the time, the big 12 was really on the, on the same level as the sec back yeah. then, you know, powder puff. It was different. Yeah. It was different powder puff, you know, quick football passing game. That's what it's associated with now, obviously with the debacle that TCU did. But um, <laughs> back then there was like some really, really heavily heavy talent out there. And so being able to compete against all these guys that I played against in high school, uh, which was part of my master plan. I left Texas, got out of that area to go show people that I can play against these people and do it in a, in a big collegiate way. And so that set me up the right way. So thankfully get home, and uh, yeah, man, that whole maturation of that day was rough. Uh, but I just remember getting that call from that five zero eight number, and uh, getting that getting that boring voice on the phone. Was it Bill? It wasn't Bill at first. It was actually his right hand man, Burge. Uh, yeah, Burge. The Bears, 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 Bears. Yeah. Right. So Bears actually got on the phone, kind of gave it an introduction. I was like, yeah, right, whatever. And then uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. I got, I got to stop you right there. You get a call. You you don't you say yeah right whatever. You're thinking it's not the Patriots. It's a joke, or you're thinking, what, what's the yeah right whatever thing? Man, I'm just jaded. I'm jaded. <laughs> oh, you're mad. It's not the Jets. No, I'm I'm just just jaded in general. Like I'm just just like the Jets set everybody else up for failure. So it's like I'm that scarred girlfriend. Like <laughs> like yeah, no man can do me right. And so because uh, I mean, at get, the time the. Patriots were coming off a Super Bowl and the yeah, Jets but, were nothing. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. You got to remember back then, uh, again, no social media, no presence like that. So as much as I was still into football, the Patriots weren't on my radar. Like, it, like he, here's the interesting thing. Wait, uh, you know, news alert. Nobody else cares about the Patriots but New England. And so like, <laughs> so it's like it's just the truth. Yeah, <laughs> so like, so when, yeah. So when you leave that area, you find out very quickly, like, man, like we're just a big fish in a little pond. Yeah. And so when they were telling me, you know, when they said New England or when they said they were flying me into um, Rhode Island, I actually said Long Island. I was like, why the hell would you fly me into Long Island if I'm playing for you guys? And so, again, you just don't think about it yeah. like that correlated. So when I saw that number, I didn't know where it was from. You know, 508, never heard it, seen it before, the area code. So uh, Bears gets on the phone. He starts talking to me. And I'm like, okay, you know, cool. And like, I didn't take it seriously until I heard Bill's voice match with the actual name going across the ticker, across the screen. I was like, okay, this is happening now. Wow. And so when, when that happened, um, after that, Mr. Kraft got on the phone and I said, okay, this is stamped now. Like, this is the owner. You know, he's not coming out of his ivory tower to, just, to, uh, just to dick around. So yeah. it was one of those things where all, everything lined up. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, the Jets had a similar process, but you know, hey man, that's uh, you know casualties of war. <laughs> <laughs> Was I'm curious uh, since we're talking about it. What did did you do any interviews with the Patriots, or was it just a workout? 
No. So it, that that's another thing, man. And I think they just keep uh, they keep their thoughts, of course, you know, close to the vest. Uh, when I was at the combine. Um, so it, think of it. Think of it just like um, picking out a school where I was flown into different teams. So I actually went to the facilities of the Jets. You know, oh, I wow. got yeah, I got some memorabilia. I got shirts. I still got the shorts. That I, I went home for Thanksgiving to my parents' house. Uh, I still have the shorts, or they still have the shorts. Uh, but, you know, clothing, apparel, all that stuff, two days of, you know, wine and dine. Okay, you're on to your next team. I go down to Jacksonville. Same situation. I get down to Tampa Bay. Same scenario. I was there with Mike Tomlinson. Uh, Mike oh, Tomlinson, okay. excuse me. So, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're, you're getting wine and dine by all these people. And at the time, uh, Mike, he was uh, the DB coach for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing all of these people you know, kind of like in their incubation stages of, of greatness or like their involvement. Right. And, and, and you're a part of that. And so when I'm going through all of this, it reminds me of collegially what happened to me. And yeah. so I, I'm just doing my thing or whatever. So when I got the call from the Jets, it just made sense because I did all the other things with them. When I was at the uh, when I was at the combine, Herm, he actually brought me in. So the way that they do that is. Um, as you're doing, you know, your skills and drills throughout the day through in the evening time, you're basically almost like speed dating where you're just going from hotel room to hotel room. They'll knock on your door. They'll come get you. They'll call you on the phone and you just walk in. And it's kind of like uh, I would say like a godfather moment where <laughs> kind of the lights are low. I remember her being in the table. They were like, in a like we were in like the, the, the cheapest hotel next to the, the cold stadium. You know, because right. the combine was in Indianapolis. Sure. Yeah. And like um, there's security at the door. There's a few people sitting on the couch, uh, other scouts and directors or whatever it is. And then you see Herm sitting or a coach sitting at their table in their room. And then you see like an overcasted light. And like, they're like, here, have a seat, man. And so like, you know, here, I got my notebook. I want to take notes. I got questions to ask them because again, you're courting each other. You know, what can, yeah. what can you do for me? What can I do for you? X, Y, and Z. So Herm starts it off by saying, okay. Look good. Look, you know how Herm kind of moves around. He has a lot of energy. He's like, okay, you, you look good to me. Okay, okay. So <laughs> tell me what happened uh, in this game right here. And so I started explaining the game, and we brought up some film. He said, like, well, it says you had five interceptions. Okay, but uh, what happened to the three that you dropped? And, like, just threw me off. Threw me like, really? Wow. Yeah, I was like, wow. Like, like, how many people you know have five interceptions this year? So it was like one of those <laughs> things where my ego wanted to kind of fight, but at yeah. the same time, uh, the humility was there. And it's like, well, no. You know, I, I just kind of settled into it. But uh, yeah, so got through his questions, all that good stuff. And again, you, you're kind of doing this car wash style with all these coaches who want to entertain you. So the Patriots never came up. They uh, no one ever asked me any questions. The only interaction that I had with the Patriots was Nick Cesario. That's wow. it. That is it. You know, something interesting you said there, um, you talked about you were caught off guard in your ego. Right. You, you wanted your ego to come out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fascinating. I mean, how you were 22, 23, 24. No, then? not, 20, no, not, not even. even that. Old. Yeah, right. I, was okay. tw- I was 20, 2021. 20, I think it's a real fascinating conversation, which maybe we can have a little bit now that we put someone, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old in those situations. And you have to control to control that ego. That's really hard to do for a lot of adults. It's hard to do for me still as a, as a lawyer to control it. I have to really push that down when there's, when I'm wrong or there's criticism or whatever it might be. I think it's really interesting. How did, 
did, were you trained to do that or was it um, a skill set that you just sort of had? That's really hard to do. Well, I think it, it, uh, it's a testament to my upbringing. Um, there's a few uh, key pieces in my life, um, some coaches, um, definitely my parents, um, the people that I surrounded myself with, uh, just the overall culture, you know, kind of that Southern mentality or Southern way of always having respect for your elders and adults and everything else. But even then, you know, you talk about me now being 39 years old, I didn't really start to rein in my ego per se, when it came to the right spaces until probably about six, seven years ago. And I would, I would put in parentheses what ego all about is the mindfulness, awareness of like what's actually happening, yeah. here, removing emotion out of the room. And I say six, seven years ago, because I started meditating around that time. And when I started to meditate, it really started to allow me to slow things down and like, okay, what's really actually happening here? What is this person yeah. saying to me? If I'm in the war room, I call it the war room. If, if I'm trying to, you know, uh, do a transaction for a sale or do business, all right, you know, what are they really trying to say to me, right? And so if you rewind the tape back to those times, um, it actually is a double-edged sword to where the exact thing that got you in the room with the Herm Edwards or any other coach is what you now have to be able to control. Right. And it's like, how do you do that? And they know that. And I think that's that's the unfortunate part about um, youth and, and, and being in a business world. And we talked a little bit about it off air, you know, with NI, in a, NIL. NIL. And all, yeah. All this other stuff where it's like you're you're taking someone that is basically being a kid, they're kids, and you're putting them in a world of business and expecting them to act accordingly. Well, how do you act accordingly if you've never been in that world before? And so whatever naturally is going to come out is what they're judging you upon. And so thankfully, yeah. like I said, that background was there for me. Um, but yeah, man, I, it, it, it's just one of those things to where um, I was just aware enough at the time to to just soak it all in and say, you know what? Hey, let's talk it through. <laughs> right. You know, I think it's really interesting too. We ask athletes and we, it's the same thing sometimes with lawyers too, right? The things, not exactly the same, but with athletes, especially football, right? It, it's such a violent game. You have to have a big ego, lawyering, the analogy would be it's very aggressive, right? Yes. Very standoffish, adverse. And to be successful at that, you have to have all that. And then as soon as that's done, you know, for sports, for football, we want players to turn that off yeah. and to be perfect. And then people want lawyers to turn it off and be, okay, no more. And I understand that. It's hard to do. Yeah. So you, so there, there's actually a thing in sports. I know with football there is to where they actually have a cool off period. To where when you go into the locker room, um, they give that 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 time span of you know ten to fifteen minutes. Obviously, the coach needs to talk everything else, but to actually gather your thoughts. And so when you're hearing someone, the, the best some of the best sound bites are literally because the emotion is wrapped up in it. Like what like what would you expect if you just lost one of the biggest games of your career? What would you expect if you just won the biggest game of your career, right? But again, people know this, so they're trying to get that information as raw as they possibly can. Sure. And so when you're talking about um, the day-to-day -day living or operations of a, of a business person or anything else, it would be no different than you going into a, a meeting and, you know, they fire you within the next 10 minutes and somebody's asking you, how do you feel? Well, how do you think I feel, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, you know, it just so happens because of the way of the world and entertainment of sports. You know, again, we talked about this last week, that entitlement of taking out the human element and just saying, OK, well, 
we pay money to to get this emotion out of you now but then you criticize it when it's not what you think it's supposed to be right and there there, and there is no right or wrong to that it's just Mm -hmm. the natural response time right the natural response in the time that you've given given the person to do so so you know it's it's tough man but you you take it with a grain of salt you understand what it is and, and hopefully and um by the grace of god i've been able to to outlast and outweigh um moments because lord knows i've had many that could have you know pretty much tanked me whether it be you know in 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 media or just uh in my everyday life as a youth but um i persevered yeah and i think it's really important too to be vulnerable to be able to admit that you know for for you 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 turn to meditation to get control of some of that stuff for me i you know turn to therapy um, and, you know, constantly saying, okay, what's really going on here? That's, that's a hard thing to do. Uh, segueing though a little bit. So drafted by the Patriots, I want to make sure we get our listeners, your career. So they have the background when they keep listening to this podcast, yeah. played for new England for Oh five through Oh eight, right. Oh five through Oh nine. Oh five through Oh nine. Yeah. Okay. So, Oh, well, I get, so Oh eight, no. Oh nine. Yeah. Oh eight. So four is, it's weird how they line up the seasons, but I played four seasons with the Patriots. Right. Yeah, I think traded after the 08 season, which was the year Brady, I think, had the ACL tear. Yeah, so I played through that season where uh, Matt Castle actually lived with me in my condo. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, we came in together as rookies. <laughs> and um, he, he stayed at my condo um, in the guest room. Uh, we had a great time, man. He's a, he's a very, very good guy. And uh, we just hung out, man, like basically just segue college to professional sports where we were just doing whatever uh, when we had the time to do it. But, um, you know, he's got yeah. he's on a podcast now called Patriots Talk Podcast with Tom Curran. Really? He's I'm a surprised. regular. He's a regular on Tom Curran. And he's actually great. Phenomenal insight. I mean, he has a great he has a great personality. Yeah, man. Yeah. Castle's very smart. Again, another guy that didn't play a lot um, under the radar, but, you know, had a sustainable career. Um, but, you know, throughout the whole New England time, uh, we enjoyed each other's company, man. And uh, for, for whatever for whatever for whatever it's worth. I think he did a great job of fulfilling that role when uh, Tom oh, got hurt. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal job, man. And ended up, you know, obviously uh, pushing his career forward to get, you know, a deal in place and, and have a sustainable career. But, yeah, so played played those four seasons and then uh, traded in the middle of the night. I was traded in the middle of the night, literally on a Sunday. I woke up. I was at a, um, I was at a boxing uh, match the night before at Foxwoods Casino. And uh, my phone's going crazy off the hook in the offseason. And and I'm sitting there and I wake up and I'm like, man, what's going on? Why is it buzzing? So obviously your mind shoots to the worst, you know, um, something's happened with family members, a friend or something like that. Uh, I called my brother first because I saw his name on there a couple of different times. And he's like, bro, have you seen the news or, you know, watching TV? I was like, no, nah, what's going on? Turn it on. Boom. Same way that I got drafted, same way I got traded across the ticker. And uh, I see uh, Ellis Hobbs, you know, traded for two uh, supplemental picks. Um, in the such and such draft, whatever it is. And so I called my agent immediately, um, barely got the crust out of my eyes, you know, what's going on. And he's like, hey, I'm trying to figure things out. My wife's crying in the background. Uh, we, mo- we, mo- we were recently married of uh, that year of 08. And, um, you know, she had never seen anything beyond uh, the New England area. She's traveled, of course, but like never lived anywhere outside of her family. And so trying to figure all that stuff out, you know, it's like, man, like, what's going on? We have a one-year-old son at the time, uh, our, our firstborn. And so you talk about, like, just life changes and, you know, trying to figure that out to next Thursday. I'm in Philly. 
and wow. I'm there and doing OTAs and all this other stuff. Um, hadn't moved anything. Um, I knew that right when I got traded, cause I had seen it so many times from other people that they deactivate your key. Uh, as far as told me this story. Yeah, yeah. They deactivate your key for access to the Patriots. So when that happened, I was like, listen, I called up, you know, my teammate and said, listen, bro, get all my stuff, put it in a trash bag, because if you don't get it, they throw it away. They do one or two things. They either throw it away or they put it on the table for other people to kind of salvage through it and take, you know, whatever they want. And so it's kind of like kind of like the mafia family is off limits. Don't take the pictures. I mean, that seems kind of harsh. It's they harsh. I can't give it to you. <laughs> no, 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 man. You figure it out yourself. I Even when you get fired from a company, we we let you come get your personal they get, things. They, well, they get you. They give you that one box. They they escort you in and give you that one box, right? But right. Yeah. No, it didn't work that way. I didn't get anything. I literally did not see the inside of those facilities after my last workout that I believe was like Friday, and um, never saw that. Never saw the facilities again. Wow. Did you even see it coming? I, I take it not based on what you're saying. No, nah, I mean, like I was so at the time I was trying to get a new deal and it, it was predicated off of why I was drafted as a third round pick. that was a special teamer. Well, breaking news. I've outplayed that. I, I started my entire career. Yeah, I have a I have a couple records. Um all the defensive snaps and still playing all special teams. I didn't even want to break the bank. I was like, listen, just pay me as a starter, but they didn't see it that way, man. They were, they were tight on the pockets at the time. And, um, you know, there's a lot of emotion behind it. A lot of, you know, whatever. Um, because again, as a, as a, as a young person, you're tied to the team almost like in a collegiate way, loyalty, respect, all of this stuff. Well, this is business. And they didn't see it that way. Um, coming off of the season, um, you know, I did what I was supposed to do for them or they or I thought I did, but they figured they could get a better, uh, better bang for their buck moving forward elsewhere. Really interesting. So what, how did it go in? Well, Philadelphia was your last stop. Yeah. Um, was it the 09 season that you had the injury? Or yeah, was it-, uh, t- it was 09 where it started. So I found out that I ended up having spinal stenosis. Um, so a narrowing of the spinal canal. And uh, wow. I actually went numb. I actually had a play. I, I, I hit someone in uh, two days in camp and I went numb and that kind of activated the, like what's going on. And I had a couple stingers and burners for you guys that don't know um, that's numbness going down your side or whatever um, in New England. But it was always kind of shrugged off. But this one, this particular hit that I took in camp, um, both of my arms went numb. Uh, I felt like dizzy, almost like I got off a treadmill, kind of walking on clouds a little bit. And so they had a specific term for it. Um, I didn't really care, but I was like, okay, whatever. And then um, throughout the season against the Dallas Cowboys, I ended up getting hit, you know, pretty awkwardly. And I was paralyzed for a little bit uh, from the, from the shoulders, from the shoulder area, couldn't move my arms. So I go in there and they said my C6, C7 had been disrupted and they need to remove it. And then they took it out. I came back the next season. Um, obviously, when you take out something in the body, you're most susceptible in other places because it's compensating at that time. In the vertebrae, um, it's meant to bend and give way. That area couldn't bend anymore because there was a piece of bone in there and a plate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the above and below levels ended up getting disrupted, and I ended up being paralyzed for about 30 minutes or so after that last play against the Giants in 2010 on November 6th. Wow. Unbelievable. And that was the last play. That was the last play, man. And um, 
you know, for, for all intents and purposes of not trying to make people squeamish, um, I wasn't unconscious. If you see that video, uh, my helmet had got unbuckled. And so the integrity of what was meant to protect me was gone. And, uh, you know, it was just a recipe for disaster because I was already dealing with an injury. I was coming off of another injury as well. So this was actually kind of like a comeback game for me. Wasn't really even supposed to be playing. And um, when it happened, I get hit totally conscious, but I just remember just losing all feeling and just falling lifeless. And the only reason I knew I'd hit the ground because my eyesight was bouncing around and just hitting the ground. And so everything's disconnected. Your mind thinks you're doing one thing, but your body's not doing it. So I felt like I was getting up um, in my mind. I was getting up, but I wasn't moving. And so when you talk about, you know, what type of feeling is that? Well, I really didn't have any, you know, because there's nothing there. And so there wasn't really a sense of fear. Um, I won't get too spiritual, uh, but it was one of those things to where there was a different presence about me with on, with on the field. And, you know, when you talk about, you hear stories about people uh, when they lose their eyesight, they can hear very strongly when they uh, lose their hearing sight, whatever it is, right. All the other senses get very hyper uh, or whatever, one or the other. Well, I lost everything pretty much with my eyesight. So like a lot of things got hypersensitive for me. So I was a, like, I was literally hearing conversations in the stands. People were talking. I could hear separate conversations going on my eyesight, which I don't have very good eyesight anyways, but it was very clear. I could see a great distance away from me. And so I remember when all said and done, I'm getting off the field. They're rolling me over. Um, I have tears in my eyes because at the time Andy wouldn't allow me to get up because uh, my my talking body. About Andy, talking about Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy Reid, Coach Andy Reid. Uh, my body had had regained some sort of like liveliness about it. I could move, but I was just so tired. I was it was traumatizing right. from a body perspective, and so I didn't have the energy to fight anything that he did for me. So they have that one iconic picture of me strapped to the table. I'm rolling off, and I can hear the wheels and the blades of grass rolling with the wheels. I hear the click as everybody's cheering as loud as can be. I can hear the click of the wheels hitting the concrete. And then I hear that final whistle. And when I hear that whistle, and this is where kind of like the sobering moment comes and like the reasoning behind me always being in a neutral perspective with sports and business. When they blow that whistle, in my mind, I said, the game has moved on. And I think- You, you knew at that moment? I knew it. I knew it without anyone coaching you without anybody telling you the moment's going to happen, you just know, you know, and, and when that happened, it, it was very sobering, very, very sobering. And, you know, I, I take that and I remember that. And I, there was this, there was this weird anger about me because for as hard as I worked, something that was out of my control eliminated my dream supposedly. Right. But what I've learned over time is, is that, don't give anything that type of control over your identity because at the end of the day, you're still going to be who you are. You can do anything you want. You can be anything you want. And, and whatever arena you're in, take the value of the lessons and the, and the training and remove that or extract it and just infuse it into the next thing that you're doing. And so no one was there to help me with that. No one was there to coach me with that. Thankfully, that was something that I became aware of as I went on. And just like anything else, as you start to gain momentum in other worlds, um, it starts to have this snowball effect. So now when I approach anything, I have so much of a, of a war chest of value behind me that I just dig into that 
every single time. And I just work my way from there and just start to scratch, start to crawl and just gain that traction and momentum in whatever space that I'm in. Do you find yourself, uh, we're, we're kind of at the, we're at the 40 minute marker, so I don't want to dwell too long, but I really think sure. it's interesting. I think it's super interesting for our listeners. Do you find yourself in times of, um, I mean, I'm going to use the word crisis, but when you're problem solving or you're dealing with a difficult situation now, whether it's business or family, I'm curious, do you find yourself looking back to that moment and saying, look, I survived a paralyzing event, a career ending, you know, trauma paralysis. So this, whatever is going on now, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I, I really do, man. And, and for, for our listeners and for anyone out there, please, please keep this within context. I, I am not trying to minimize any sort of traumatic experience. Of course. Um, mine specifically, right? But well, your your trauma is yours. Yeah, it's, it's traumatic mine. for you. And yeah. if you rely on that, that I don't think that's you're not I don't think you're minimizing other people's. Yeah, no, not at all. What what I mean by that is is that I, I don't want I don't want people to think like I'm saying, okay, um, what I'm going through now is no big deal because of what I went through. Whatever you're going through within the presence, yes, it's it's real. It's real, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that there's something we can always align that with to where we can we can say to ourselves is like, I've been here before. Yeah. I've been here before. And take it as, as hard as it is, try to remove the emotion as, as much as you can. And what is the actual thing that I'm facing? What is the reality of what I'm facing? And then try to recall a moment in time where you've had that experience before. And if you're an adult and you've lived long enough, I'm pretty sure you can find one. And uh, if you have, if you can't just continually live, you'll find something. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Well, I, if you I, haven't had one, you're not doing stuff. Yeah. You're, you're not doing anything. Right. You're, you're, you're in a box. Right. And so um, that, 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 that moment has been such a huge North star for me to continually focus on because again, it was such a, a life-changing uh, moment that there's so many other things that I can look at and say, you know what, as bad as this is, it wasn't this. But at the same time, as bad as this is, wait a minute, I had this going. What did I do at that point? Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right, we're rolling out. We're rolling. We're going. We're doing our thing. And you just keep going. And then you just keep going from there. I think I think we call those lessons. Yeah, we call them lessons. <laughs> I think we call those lessons. And if we don't, and if you don't, if we don't learn lessons, then we don't we don't get to that point, right? We just no. keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, so don't want to take up too much more time here. Quick question though, a little bit lighter hearted because we are going to talk sports and business. So let's talk about that for a little bit. We've got uh, NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. Are you, you paying attention at all? Taking a look at this and seeing what's going on. Uh, any thoughts on NFL playoffs in general? Yeah. I mean, at the, at the core of my essence, I, I love football. I love sports. And so this time of the year is very, very exciting to me. Um, you know, this is where it all counts. I remember many of times because of how successful we were of like you you feel this presence of like we're amongst the elites of elites when it comes to teams and players right because there's only a few left and it's kind of like musical chairs and then there was one and so like as you're practicing the practices mean that much more um i definitely uh you definitely feel the intensity of the game rise um the hits are that much harder um guys that were normally sitting out you know a series or two or 
whatever it is, like all hands on deck. I know for us specifically as starters, we were playing special teams, all four special teams, as well as uh, starting on defense because it meant that much to us. And like, you know, all chips are in, right? You're pushing everything to the middle. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen, man. Uh, I'm glad that um, we can, we can watch it without this, this weird cloud over us. Absolutely. Um, and um, just enjoy it for what it is and what it was meant to be, because, you know, thankfully the, the evils that be, um, didn't prevail when it came to like football is day is like bad. It shouldn't exist. All these other things. It's like, man, it, listen, it was just a moment that happened. I think you said it best, you know, a freak accident could have happened anywhere. Right. And so um, to have this now go on in, in the way that the game was meant to be played with just this, this upbeat uh, vibe and like really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the teams that you thought were going to be uh, there um, in the beginning now. So the Buffalo bills themselves, I'm interested to see what the Eagles are doing because they've kind of backslid a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's a testament to how difficult it is to win every game or how difficult it is to stay well, elite, to stay elite. You know, you know something about that. Yeah, man. And like people, <laughs> people, people, people don't understand how difficult that is to where I, I even say it. I don't care if you're 14 and 0, you still haven't got to 17. You still haven't got to 16. And like every game becomes that much more important to the other team, not just yeah. you to the other team. And so now that we're in the playoffs, even slate, right? Nothing really matters. So I'm interested to see how they're going to do. I, I like the 49ers. Me too. Um, the defense, the defense they have is tremendous. That 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 uh, that Boza man, he's a, he's a he's a force to be reckoned with. Like, you know. I feel like they're the they're the team that's the complete package. They may they not be the best on offense, but boy, they're pretty complete. Even, you know, the quarterback doesn't make a lot of mistakes. A young guy, you know, seventh, the mystery irrelevant last pick in the draft, but they have a lot of weapons. They're solid across the board. Yeah. Just don't damage the Ferrari. Yeah. Just don't damage the Ferrari. I think with Brock Purdy, yeah. they gave him the keys, um, you know, forcefully because there was no other options well, and, and he's been able to take that opportunity. And again, we talk about opportunity, right. Mm-hmm. And being prepared for it. And so he's done an amazing job with it. And um, you know, when you look at their team overall, I agree with you. They, they have a, they have a total package, you know, Shanahan, he, he's done a tremendous job of, of keeping the team focused because injuries can be a huge distraction for a lot of different teams. Um, you know, all the kind of interchangeable parts that they've had throughout the course of the season that can be distracting within itself. There was yeah. even a situation with uh, the tight end Kittle where he actually said a very controversial thing when he came to the quarterback position, where mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily agreeing with Brock Purdy and like, you know, such and such Garoppolo is our quarterback, you know, now you want him to throw you the ball. And so like <laughs> for Purdy, so for Purdy to, to stay focused, man, and just go out there and do what he does. Now Kittle's 100% behind him. Um, I think it's a, it's a great testament to who they are and the team that they're presenting. Yeah. I really like San Francisco and the AFC. I, I it's gonna be hard to beat Kansas city. Yeah, man. It's just, yeah, they're, they're uh, every year. Right. And it's like uh, Andy has done an amazing job. I- Andy gives you this feeling of like, remember what it was like to play football at a youth age where <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw that one play, they're in the huddle and they're dancing around the circle. Yeah. The circle. Well, that comes from I think it, I think it's on Wednesdays uh, when they do install that they allow certain individuals if you've earned that merit within their uh, within their team that you can drop your own play and if your play gets voted in or if it gets picked then they implement it into the actual plan. I know Kelsey has talked about that a couple times and so when you see those plays like that, um, I would say ninety percent sure that's dialed up by the players. Wow. 
That's a little different probably than what you saw with Bill. Yeah, a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> a lot different. Something tells me Bill's not doing that. <laughs> no, no, no. He he's uh yeah, I don't even want to get into that. No. Fasc- fascinating. Well, that's another another podcast about the difference. Both very successful, but both very, very different methods. Completely different styles. And I think that and this is my last thing with it, where mm-hmm. I think that's a testament to who I am now as a businessman and as, as an entrepreneur as well, to where there's there's different ways to win. And if you can find who you are within those ways, um, you identify that with this is who I am. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when you come into these worlds, um, what kills a lot of uh, of businesses, a lot of people, and just overall their confidence is they don't know who they are. And like they're, they're lost, right? But like to see so many different worlds of like this style over here versus this style over here, structure with a little bit of looseness, um, consistency with a little bit of like, okay, things didn't go right, you know, inconsistency, whatever it is, but still mixing all that in to say, hey, success, 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 success. Um, it, again, it gives you a great pedestal and a war chest to, to pull from when it comes to examples and just overall um, just value. And I think that really, I think, sort of sums up what our show is kind of going to be, right? Like this episode to me kind of encapsulates it. Like we're gonna we're going to talk about sports, but this isn't this isn't a hot take show. No. This isn't stats, and we're not going to break film down. What we're talking about here is is the concept of sports, but how is that applying to what's going on in in life? Whether it's in business, we're going to talk a little bit of law because I'm a lawyer, I can't not do it. Yeah, but. but really like how does that apply to living like and and what is it what does it mean in the grand scheme of things not just let's talk about this player this coach or this game yeah i mean yeah we are definitely not the sexy pick right where i and i didn't and purposely i didn't want it that way we didn't want it that way because that's right um if, if you if you talk about what we're saying right now what i wanted to align that with is success and what is success the details which is boring you know, success lies in consistency of doing it over and over again, so much to the point yep. where you can't get it wrong. And what I want people to take away from this show, Michael, is that I want them to understand that they're not the only one. Because I yeah. think when you talk about success at a very high level, any ask anybody, there's a time of loneliness. There's a time <sighs> of like isolation. Yeah. And I, it's necessary though, right? But while you're in those down moments, I think it's always good to have some wind come behind yourselves because you need to hear stories. You need to hear that other people were successful and, hey, here's how they did it. So it's not necessarily that you're replicating them, but you're pulling pieces out that fits into your story or fits into where you're at right now. And so by getting certain guests on, by hearing some of my stories, hearing some of your stories and, and how they start to correlate. Because whether you're in law, whether I'm in business or sports on this side, you're going to start to hear common concepts. You're going to start to align things with common words or common phrases that we're all saying or common just in general things that we're doing. Right. And there's going to be that aha moment for our audience and for our listeners to say, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. And of course, I want to bring in different arenas because by doing that, it doesn't it doesn't alienate or it doesn't segregate those who think like, oh, well, it can only happen because of this or because of they're this, right? Like, no, 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 no. You forget, like I, like I tell people all the time, when you cut the TV on, I don't exist. I was here before the TV came on. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's a life, there's a story, there's something behind that. There's people that are involved. There's down moments, there's up moments. There's times where you didn't think you were coming back from that. And so to hear all these things and, and hopefully we can ask it in such a way to where it gives great respect to the actual uh, person telling it. I want you know our audience to be able to live through these moments, but then also go out and create their own moments from it. Absolutely. I think one of the most important things you said there was sometimes success can be really lonely. Yeah. Sometimes, it, and, and that's, I do think that's a requirement sometimes if you're building something that you can't do it alone. So it's like a dichotomy. You can't do it alone, but it can be really, really lonely when you're doing it. And it's yes. important to talk that through and hear that from other people. So, you know, that feeling you know, we, we've all been there. So I think yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. And I want to identify it. I want like, it, like that, that's a great point that you're making and an example of what you're doing right there. Because a lot of times when we go through these moments, we don't know what that is. You right. know, it's like, okay, what, what is this? And so that's what makes it feel like this is a one of one, or this is an anomaly. But if we can, or people that are experienced enough to say, Hey, this is what this is. You're like, Oh, okay. So I'm not crazy. This does happen. Right. That's right. So it's like, and all it's right, normal. Yeah. Yeah. And this is normal. normal. This is okay. Like for for this world, this is okay. Right. So yeah, man, I I really want to push that home and I believe we're going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So listen, thanks for your time tonight, everybody. Make sure everyone, if you're listening to the show, we really would appreciate it. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, please provide us a five-star review. And if you really like the show, give us a little comment in writing. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us with the Apple podcast algorithm. Make sure to also follow us on social media for Ellis. You can follow him on Instagram. It's at Ellis underscore Hobbs underscore three. Correct. I got that right. And for me, it's at Melkins, M-E-L-K-I-N-S, the number one. That's on my Instagram. And that's also for TikTok. And for Twitter, it's at Ellis Hobbs. And for me, it's at... M, it's at Melkins 31175 again everybody please we really would appreciate it five star review and a little written comment thanks for listening everybody tell your friends about it download the show and we will be back next week thanks everyone Yeah, I did all that. Big plans, partners trying to make profits. Yeah, I did all.
Yeah, I did all that, had to make it happen But now was in my practice, and I did all that Yeah, I can't take no loss, yeah I don't even know what it costs, huh. I hit the ground, then it go off, yeah Hit the ground, then it go off, yeah I can't take no loss, yeah I don't even know what it costs, yeah I hit the ground, then it go off, yeah Hit the ground, then it go off, yeah, yeah Run it, run it, ooh I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah Yeah, I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah Feel it's my time, think it's my... Yeah.